You're listening to the Trailblazers podcast, episode 11 with David Moody. All of us are good at something that could take us to another level. We got to find what that is and only we can find that. You're listening to the Trailblazers podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Trailblazers podcast. In our last episode, number 10, we heard from Ohio State Department Chair of Engineering Education, Professor Monica Cox, who shared wisdom on having big dreams and pushing ahead to being anything you want to be in life. Well, today, we're continuing that discussion about having big dreams and going for your dreams, despite your circumstances, your background, and your obstacles. Today, I spoke with Mr. C. David Moody Jr. Now, Mr. Moody is the founder and CEO of C.D. Moody Construction Company, which he started back in 1988. His company has received countless awards and recognition over the years and has earned solid eight-figure revenue numbers year over year, which led to really him being ranked for several consecutive years now in the Black Enterprise 100 as one of the nation's largest black businesses. Now, currently, he also spends his time helping survivors of childhood abuse, and we talked to him about that in today's session. Um, Also in today's session, we discussed Mr. Moody his background and his attaining degrees at both Morehouse College and Howard University. Uh, He shared 10 lessons he learned when starting his business and working through the challenges and failures of that. Uh, He shared his definition of success. We talked about some of the reasons businesses may be failing. Uh, We shifted our discussion to his fight through fear and and his journey of surviving childhood abuse. And he shared a terrific story about his grandfather who came to the U.S. on a banana boat to go on to raise a family and beat the odds. And we discussed so much more in today's interview. I would encourage you, if If you are a a business professional, an entrepreneur, a parent, um, if you're a survivor of abuse of any kind, or you just need to be inspired, I encourage you to stop what you're doing and tune into today's episode. I genuinely felt moved by Mr. Moody's transparency, his wisdom, and just his humble demeanor for a man with such lofty accomplishments in his life. So without further delay, here is today's interview. Hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Hart. And with me today is Mr. David Moody, who is a CEO of CD Moody Construction Company. Mr. Moody, welcome to the show. And thank you so very much for being our special guest today. Steve, thank you for uh, having us on the show. And um, I'm excited about being here and talking to you. Awesome. So I've shared a little bit about you in our intro. But we want our community to look past your amazing accolades and achievements for just a minute. And I, I sort of want, um, I want you to help them connect with you so they don't feel like you're this guy who they could never become or relate to. So take a minute. Could you just tell us, you know, something that's not polished for media consumption, but is 100% David? Uh, I guess, you know, I like to tell folks I was your average student. I was a, a C plus student, C student, uh, grew up, um, Southside Chicago, went to high school in Ann Arbor, Michigan, went to Morehouse College and Howard University after Morehouse, uh, played uh, football at Morehouse, played uh, Mega Sci-Fi fraternity. I was just a regular guy um, enjoying college, enjoying life. Uh, 
didn't have super big dreams. That's why I tell people to dream real big because you you can surpass them pretty easily. If right, uh, and um, I'm just the average, you know, guy. wasn't much expected. You know, nobody because I wasn't that honor student, so nobody probably thought I'd be doing what I'm doing today. So that's why I um, find it kind of interesting when you fly below the radar screen. Certain things in life. Nobody's paying attention to you, and before you know it, boom, you can do some incredible things. So I did see that. I saw that in your college years, you attended Boerhaus, you you completed a bachelor's degree in psychology, right? But then you you right after it seems you went to Howard and got a bachelor's degree in architecture. Yeah, I got right? yeah, I got a five year professional degree. So it's called a bachelor of architecture, but it's a five year professional degree. Wow. Which you can sit and uh, get licensed. And I started my career as an architect with Bechtel Power Corporation, one of the largest privately owned engineering construction companies in the world. So when did you actually, you know, discover this desire to switch to architecture from what you had done with psychology? Oh, I always wanted to be in architecture and construction since I was a kid. I used to play with Lego building blocks. I used to watch the older boys take their drafting tape, the little drafting boards to the to high school and do drafting. That's when most of them became drafting. You got to understand, I'm I'm born in 1956, so I came along before computers and all that. So you actually had to actually draw versus on a computer. But I always wanted to do this. What what happened? I was at Morehouse. They had a dual degree program in engineering, but they didn't have it in architecture. I was enjoying Morehouse. I didn't want to leave, so I finished with a degree in psychology, which has really helped me in life and business. And then I went on and got my professional degree in architecture. That's interesting. So, what inspired you to to then start your own construction business? Well, it's kind of an interesting story. I, I tell people in 1981, I started working at Bechtel uh, as a staff architect. I took a field assignment in the nuclear power division. We were building nuclear power plants. And I fell in love with the action because my dream was to have a small architectural firm one day. But when I took that field assignment and the action and the noise, I realized my real love for architecture was being on the the building end. So Mm -hmm. after a few years of uh, doing that, and many people probably have done this, I got married. And my wife and I, uh, my wife had always lived in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And uh, my parents lived two miles to to the right. Her parents were two miles to the left. And I decided, we both decided we're going to be happy. We're going to leave. So uh, <laughs> too much advice going on. So we uh, we love our parents, but we just decided it was best to leave. And we moved to Atlanta. But the interesting thing about that, we both left great jobs. And I came to work for a small company. And two months after taking that job, it went, that company went bankrupt. So wow. all of a sudden, I had to go home and tell my wife, I don't have a job. And... Um, I worked for small companies for the next four or five years, and finally, you know, we were so broke that we finally said, what the heck, we don't have nothing to lose, and went into business for ourselves, and 28 years later, here we are. Wow. So I'm curious, did you have mentors that helped guide you through those early years of, of entrepreneurship? Well, you know, it's interesting. I made people my mentors who didn't even know they were my mentors. I just... Absolutely. You know, I just... I paid a lot of attention. I worked for some small firms over the next four to five years. I learned a lot of things, and I just realized pretty quickly 
this has to, whatever business you're in, it has to be a passion for you. It has to be something you really want to do. Right. It can't be about money. It has to be about wanting to be the best at what you do and keep learning and the money will come. Right. And, um, so I just paid a lot of attention and just kept learning. And then I made a lot of, uh, like most entrepreneurs, we've never been presidents or vice presidents or any high ranking person in a company. So there's a lot of trial and error. You learn a lot by just making mistakes. Right. So uh, you didn't attend business school, right? So how how did you actually, take me through how you actually prepared yourself to, to start a business? Did you have a clear plan and vision right from the start on, on kind of what you wanted to do and move from there? Well, it's kind of, funny because when you're really broke and you don't have much to lose, you know, when you have really nothing to lose, you just get going. You just kind of get going because you got to live, you got to eat. Right. And I was fortunate if my younger brother's a CPA, so I had the financial mm-hmm. piece handled because he would, you know, do our do the books. So, and then with me having the experience as a project manager and superintendent, I was yeah. able to be job call. So I didn't have to hire people right away because I could go out and actually manage the projects, do the estimating myself. And then having a brother who was a CPA doing accounting, that right. that really helped a lot. Right. So you had some of the bases covered right there. Right. And, mm. and too often people go into business and, and they don't really know the product. So they have to hire everybody right away. But when you know the product, like in construction, and when you know construction and you can actually be a, be the project manager and estimator and superintendent, then you actually become part of the job call so you don't have a lot of overhead. In fact, you have right. minimum overhead. Mm, got it. So maybe share with us some of the lessons you learned, right, while navigating some of those early challenges and failures of running a business. Uh, I learned a lot. One, patience. Two, keeping my faith in what I was doing and keeping my faith in a higher being because it gets pretty discouraging at times. Right. Being smart with your money, save your money, build your credit so banks will work with you, mm-hmm. deliver outstanding product, uh, be fair, be honest, um, have fun. Don't take yourself so serious. Right. Um, Keep learning. And I, re- I learned very early to give back and help others and expect nothing in return. Wow. We'll talk more about that in a second. So uh, for those listening, um, let me just share, you know, Mr. Moody has worked on some of Atlanta's biggest landmarks that include uh, the Olympic Stadium, Turner Field, Phillips Arena, and, and so many more, right? So in total, I believe I read that um, C.D. Moody has built and delivered hundreds of commercial projects that are now valued more than $2 billion. Is that right? That would be correct. Wow. So maybe tell us a story, right? Maybe about a time when, you know, one of these big contract bids didn't go the way you planned. You know, what happened? How did you actually overcome those challenges? Well, it's not just the big ones. I got small ones that do that, you know. (laughs) I'm sure, right? (laughs) I mean, you know, I tell people one of the things you have to be prepared for, not every job is going to go great. I don't care how well you planned it. I don't care how well you think everything is set up. It's just there are some jobs, some projects that just go south. And the main thing is trying to, one, still deliver a great product. Whatever you do, don't cut corners to make that dollar or cut your loss. But is what do you learn from it? I call it lessons learned. But mm-hmm. but stand tall and still deliver and communicate. And I mean verbal communication. Fortunately, I came along before email and text, and even though I use it a lot, nothing solves problems better 
and faster than talking to someone verbally and getting to the root of the problem and then working for a solution. The other thing I found very important is don't look for somebody to blame. Look for mm-hmm. more how do you solve the problem. When you spend more time trying to figure out who to blame, you, you don't get the problem solved and you don't really gain anything. Right. Don't worry about who's at fault as much as solving that problem. And that's how I look at any major project that or small project that has a problem because you're not going to fix that problem blaming or pointing fingers versus let's let's just get done and figure out how do we get done. Right. Figure out what you you can take from it and move forward. But also team, a a good team. You know, in our business, we have a lot of subcontractors. It's sitting Mm -hmm. down, talking with the subs, also the owner, the architect, engineers, and come up with solutions and uh, make it happen. One of the things that uh, my president, Ike Tiggs, and I always talk about, construction is not hard. It's people to make it difficult. It's communications, you know, and just wanting to find somebody to kind of blame versus how do we solve problems. Wow. Appreciate you sharing that. Looking back, was there a a defining moment that you would probably attribute to the the, the success of the business? You know, it's been a few of them because at each stage, there's a different activity. And with age, your what you call success change. What was success for me in my 20s is was different in my 30s, is different in my 40s, is different in my 50s, and now I'm about to turn 60. So there are different lessons and different things you take away as you age and go through different experiences. Because one of the things when I talk to my adult children or any young adults, I've learned to tell them, look, I'm talking to you as a 59-year-old man versus how I would talk to you when I was 28 or 32 or 33. So I've learned to realize how different I think because of life experiences as time goes on. But there was a couple of experiences. One, I had a very famous professional athlete, basketball player, one of the most famous in the world, wanted to buy into my business in the early 90s. And at the last minute, I turned him down. And that was a big stepping stone because I I just wanted to stay independent. And probably another big turning point is when we were partners building the new Olympic Stadium and Turner Field. That really was a big um, hit for us. So it's been different jobs, different stages along the way that I get we gain more confidence and I gain more confidence as a leader because it's very scary, uh, especially when you realize your employees, your family and everybody base their life on the decisions you make. Right. So there's a lot of stress that goes with being an entrepreneur that you have to really want it because you basically become responsible for everybody who works for you and your family. And you really never stop working, even though I take vacations and all that. You you're always thinking about your business. How do I get better? How did what happened there? How do I how's this working out? So you're always thinking. So once an entrepreneur, always an entrepreneur. I would say yes, but <laughs> it's not for the faint at heart. It, I mean, right. it's really it's a it's, it takes a lot out of you. I mean, it's right. it's very demanding um, because in my industry of construction, you eat what you kill. Right. No, it's not like building widgets, you know, where once you kind of start selling those widgets, you got reoccurring income from those widgets. Well, in construction, when we finish a project, we got to have another one. You got to have another one. So you you eat what you kill. So, you know, you touched on something here a second ago. And before we move on, 
one I kind of wanted to ask, you know, I'm you have 20 years on me. I'm about to turn 40 in a, in about a year. I'm interested to know what is success for you approaching 60? Success for me now is really doing something that makes a difference for those that will come behind me. Even though I've always been involved and done a lot to help others, right. I want to share my story, my journey, my life that gives hope to others that they can dream big. And not just dream big, do some incredible things regardless of where we've been in life. Can't let our past control us. So that's my real focus. In fact, I got a book coming out in a couple of weeks. Mm, Awesome. We're going to talk about that in a second, too. We actually were heading in this direction. Um, And, you know, I want I'm, I'm giving thought, right? Many entrepreneurs often don't take into account, you know, how much the people around them contribute to their their success or failure in, in business. And you know, with, with all that you've accomplished, you know, how were you able to get your family to, to buy into your big entrepreneurial dream? Well, I was very fortunate that I married the right person. And I tell anybody <laughs> going into business, if your spouse is not 100% behind you, it'll be very tough to be successful because there are going to be some tough times. But I was fortunate enough that my wife, in her early 30s, she went back to nursing school, became an RN. Wow. We had two young children, so we always knew we could have some income from her. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was just very supportive, but also neither one of us are materialistic. So it made it very easy for us not to have to make a lot of money to be happy. Right. You know, unfortunately, sometimes we can get caught up and uh, trying to live a certain lifestyle that requires X amount of dollars and you're so focused on the dollars and you think that's happiness when it's not happiness. And mm. your business never can really get traction sometimes because you got to take every penny out trying to live right. a certain lifestyle versus live a... My dad taught me something very early in life. He said, son, always live beneath your means. Absolutely. And I got it. I understand that. And that made life very easy because I was able to then with my wife help because She's very good managing money. We were able to accumulate some things in, in money and in investments because we were being patient and hopefully God allowed us to live long enough that we could see the fruit of putting money away. Right, right. Wow. That's, these are really important lessons for everyone listening. Um, no, it, it brings me to another thought right there. And it may have a tie tie with that as well. There are businesses like yours that um, are succeeding decade over decade at a high level, and yet there's so many that fail to make it a year to a year and a half in business. And I wanted your input on maybe what you thought contributed most to the high percentage of businesses that were failing, especially black-owned businesses. Well, I think there's a number of things. One, you know, you just, it's hard to build a business. It's not mm-hmm. easy. And sometimes I believe you just got to almost be at the right place at the right time sometimes. You know, it's just it's just you're in that right place that when that opportunity came, you were able to knock it out the park. Um, it's very hard for um, any business to make it. I mean, so many fail. Uh, but I think one of the biggest thing is that desire and you're in it for the right reason and you're able to build relationships. I think that's the other thing that's important. You got to have people that are actually um, who, are, who are looking out for you. What I mean by that, people who are 
are already successful who want to see you be successful, give you words of encouragement. They'll make phone calls to people say, hey, give this person a try. They'll call their right. banker form. So, you know, you got to have some people in your corner who can open doors for you and they want to see you successful and then you deliver the product. So it is hard to make it if you don't have anybody who's kind of like a an advisor or a mentor who's helping you navigate some of the, the bumps you're going to go through uh, in building a business. Mm. A prior prior guest of ours, Tyvee Small, actually calls them sponsors. Right. Um, those that actually, you know, go out and, and help you make those connections. Really important. I like that. Um, you know, I imagine that by by now you've you've developed a system to maybe keep from from falling into and getting stuck in comfort zones with work. Could you tell me maybe what you actually do to push yourself to to those new and higher heights? Well, one, you really do have to fight through the fear. I mean, there was a, probably about ten years ago after I'd been in business about almost twenty years. Mm-hmm. I start playing like in football. I start playing prevent defense, and what I mean by that, I didn't want to mess up okay i stopped being aggressive i stopped going when i say aggressive you know trying to build a business go for the business i started going okay lord i don't want to mess up what i've built and and ruin it and i realized eventually after a couple years you can't you can't live like that because it's like in football oftentimes prevent defense they end up losing the game they were winning the game because they were playing aggressively then they're not going to score. Right. Then they start trying to just protect, keep the other team from scoring by dropping back. And then that other team marches down the field and boom, touchdown. So I realized that I had to keep that hunger. I had to keep mm-hmm. that drive. And I had to always think like I did when I was first trying to make it. Right. Mm. So motivational speaker, Les Brown. One said, we don't know what we don't know. And if only we knew, right, things could be different. I'd love you to share, um, and you've shared so much already, but I'd love you to share a couple of fundamental lessons that any new business owner coming in right now really needs to know to lay a firm, a firm foundation, a better foundation to be able to grow and succeed on, on their entrepreneurial journey. Okay, it's a couple things. One, you know, I thought I was going to have an architectural firm, but I learned pretty early when I was working for Bechtel, I was just going to be an average architect. But I realized I could be a great builder because of the love I had for it. I could take my architectural knowledge, transfer it into construction. And I think one of the biggest things we have to be honest with ourselves, what we are really good at doing, what we will do well. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure people have heard this often, what you would get out of bed to do, even if you weren't getting paid. So you need a passion. Yes, a passion, but also a realistic um, Mm -hmm. view of what you are good at doing. I mean, that's like I wanted to be a singer. You know, I wanted to be a a Broadway (laughs) singer because I was in some plays in high school. Well, I'm not that good. So I could chase a dream that, you know, I could have the most incredible passion, but you do have to be real. And and you got to be real about what you are really good at because all of us are good at something that could take us to another level. We got to find what that is and only we can find that. That's nuggets of wisdom right there. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. I want to switch gears for a few minutes and and talk about another project that you've you've started called Moody Speaks. Yes. Mr. Moody, for nearly 30 years, you you kept a secret from the world that nearly ended up killing you. 
as a young boy, you were sexually abused by a babysitter, and it took nearly 40 years before you were able to speak publicly about it. And I imagine that you likely suffered through a great deal before you got up to that point in 2012 or 2013 that you, you know, were finally able to share this, this awful tragedy that took place so many years prior. I was watching an interview you recently did and heard a statistic that, you know, one in 10 children will be abused before they turn 18. That really startled me. And I'm, I'm concerned for some listening that might be also holding on to a similar secret. And so I want to ask, you know, maybe more so for you being able to help them. Right. Um, what was it inside you that allowed you to fight through those decades of, of, of fear and finally get to a point where you could share the secret with the world? Well, I'll tell you, a um, couple things happened early that were very good. We moved away from Chicago when I was 14, so I didn't have to see that person, even though my parents thought something was up, but I, I was scared to tell them. But they never let that person back around that the male babysitter. He was the son of our regular babysitter. So mm-hmm. when I moved away in 1970 to Ann Arbor, Michigan at 14, it allowed me to truly bury it because I was able to recreate kind of my own story in my mind. Mm-hmm. But I still was having little things, but you don't think much of it. But it was in 1992 when I was 36. My wife found out that someone in her family had been sexually abused by someone we knew. And I just blurted it to my wife and because I had planned on dying with this secret. I I just was going to die with it Um, because you're so embarrassed. You feel like it's your fault. It's just, you know, it it takes a toll. Well, I ended up having panic attacks. I had a nervous breakdown. But even during my nervous breakdown, I still ran my business. I mean, that's when I know and I tell people I know there's a God because it had to be a higher being that carried Mm -hmm. me through that. My wife, who was a nurse, would basically get me together so I could go to certain meetings and I'd be suffering with anxiety, panic attacks. It was just horrible. And then finally I started getting counseling to deal with it. And, but I still kept it quiet to 2013. And I finally was a mm-hmm. speaker at a major event of for childhood sexual abuse survivors. And it was really the Penn state scandal that made me speak up. Cause when I just thought about how adults keep leaving children in situations Right. And the damage that's done is 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 so serious because people always say kids are resilient, but they forget we become adults. And the damage done from any kind of sexual abuse, whether you're an adult or a child, where someone takes your innocence like that. Um, you know, I suffer from post-traumatic stress syndrome, but I was able to get counseling. And one of the things I focus on now and reason why I speak up, and that's what my book is about, is called Fighting the, Through the Fear, My Journey of Surviving Childhood Sexual Abuse. I want people to learn and understand the journey that regardless of what we've been through, we can still do some incredible things if we have the proper counseling and the proper people in our lives. But then it also takes an incredible amount of strength from us because we're much stronger than we realize right. to push through that fear and get to the other side. I mean, it, um, it, you know, it, it almost destroyed me, but I was fortunate enough to fight back through it and survive. And, um, you know, there's an estimated 46 million survivors just in the United States. And wow. since I started speaking up with MoodySpeaks.com, um, 
it's been read in 115 countries. And the people that have told me thank you and whispered it to me, even friends who have kept it secret, especially men, men really don't like to talk about it. But it's just phenomenal the damage done. But I speak up because I believe there's the next uh, scientist, the next mathematician, the next pilot, the next great inventor, the next great business person who won't become that because they're locked in that past living in fear and anxiety. So I speak up to hopefully help free them to see that many of us have been through that and get the help you need and and then go ahead and enjoy that life because, you know, life is short. And I also decided I wasn't going to let my abuser control my entire life. Right. You mentioned that you did counseling. Was there anything else that really helped you to overcome the trauma of this? It was counseling, the incredible support of my wife, the love of my close friends, my faith. And there was a desire inside of me because I've always been a happy person that I I was just not going to allow this to take take over. And once I learned, you know, the triggers from post-traumatic stress and how to deal with anxiety, if it's coming, it, you just, I learned to, to handle it to where it doesn't handle me. And that Mm -hmm. makes a big difference. And I also learned sometimes I have to let, I have to let it kind of flow instead of fighting against the current. Sometimes if I feel a, kind of anxiety coming on. Go ahead right. and just, just, I've learned to not fight it. Just let it kind of run its course for the 30 minutes or 10 minutes or an hour, whatever it's going to run. And then I I move on. Right. But you don't have major panic attacks no, as much. No, in fact, I haven't had a major panic attack in quite a long time. But one of the things I realized in 1992, when I was going through this, there was nowhere I could read or find from others who had been through this and who admitted Mm. they had panic attacks and anxiety and post-traumatic stress syndrome. So I also decided to speak up because I wanted people to realize you're not alone. Right. Because you feel like something's wrong with you when you can't find anybody who says, I've been through these things, too. Right. 46 million survivors. That's the estimated number just in the United States. Wow. Well, God bless you for for putting this, you know, putting this platform in place. And maybe you could share with us, you know, what are your goals for Moody Speaks going forward? My my biggest goals are to help others that are. Give voice to the those that feel forced to be silent. Give a voice for them. Give mm-hmm. hope to those who are hopeless. And also, I have a survivor's corner where I let other survivors write me their own story, and they and I publish it for them so they can give words of wisdom and words of encouragement to others. And I've also designed some T-shirts with some sayings that I'm going to sell to help raise money along with my book. Like mm. a couple of my sayings are, you know, don't let imaginary fear stop you. You know, fight through the fear, enjoy the journey of life. So I just want to give encouragement to anybody who suffers through anxiety, panic attacks, or has had a nervous breakdown from different traumas to realize you're not alone, but we can still do some incredible things regardless of our our past. And not only are we survivors, but we can thrive. Right. How can our community get involved with you in support of the mission? How can we get the book? How can we get the T-shirts? Well, you know, how can we support you? If you go to MoodySpeaks.com, the book is coming out in a couple of weeks, and then I'll be selling that um, 
online and then I'll start selling the t-shirts after I get the book out. So if they just go to moodyspeaks.com, check it mm-hmm. out and um, share it with others who might need, who need help. And when the book comes out, buy the book and share it and read it. Also in the book, I talk about my uh, journey of growing up, how my grandfather came to America at 17 in 1901 from British Honduras, which is now Belize. Wow. And he came to America in 1901, worked his way over on a banana boat. Mm-hmm. He was 17. Uh-huh. They put him back in sixth grade. He went on and finished college. And he raised eight children who all finished college. He never owned a car. And I talk about my grandmother, who's a sharecropper on my mother's side in Social Circle, Georgia. And so I talk about all the things that inspired me, that motivated me, and what discounted my journey in life. And how we're going to continue to help uh, beat and reduce sexual abuse uh, in children and help those that have been victims just do some incredible things with their lives. So that's what I'm after now. Mr. Moody, that's an amazing story. That's an amazing story about your 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 grandfather and, and all that. You know, I read on your blog um, that you were actually just in Honduras on a missions trip. And um, I saw some really cool stories about, you know, hope on your blog that, you know, were inspired uh, by by the trip. Yeah. And I'd love, you know, I'd love you to, to maybe take a couple of minutes and share an inspiring message of, of, you know, hope to our community to help them, you know, dream bigger and, 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 and really go for their dreams. Well, one of the things that I, I tell people that's important, you know, you got to all to have hope. You got to have things and people around you who are telling you you can do certain things. I mean, if you got people telling you you're not worth anything, it's hard to have hope because you're going to start believing it. So, mm-hmm. One of the things I, I believe that I've learned is just helping people know we are all created to do some incredible things. We just have to put ourselves in position, get our education. And when I say education, it doesn't have to be a college degree because it could be a vocational degree or some type of skilled trade and do incredible things. But when I, when I go to Honduras, what I enjoy about going down there, helping the people in the village and the work that we do, building things. And I mean, we really work. I mean, I work harder there than I do anywhere else. Uh, lifting blocks, making concrete by hand because we don't do anything with electrical tools. Wow. But what I enjoy the most is how hard the people in the village work with us, how appreciative they are. But, you know, in America, we can give major donations and never see the needle move. What I enjoy down there when I leave there after a week, I see the, you know what you're yeah, I see the needle moved and I know I've made a difference. And that's the same way with my uh, website, moviespeaks.com. I know mm-hmm. I'm making a difference because of what people say and I'm not looking for any type of accolades or anything special because I always tell people, help people and expect nothing in return. But it is a good feeling to go to a place like Honduras or do work in, in your local community and just know you're really making a difference for somebody else to have a chance in life. Thank you so much for sharing that. We're approaching the end of, of today's session, and I'm going to speed things up a bit, okay? I'd, I'd like to ask, what's one book you've you've read in the past year that inspired you? Believe it or not, let me think. I have to think on that because... I'm not a I'm only a nonfiction reader. I, I don't okay. I don't like fiction and yeah. I read daily meditation books. And one of the ones I'm enjoying right now is uh, Tony Dungy's um, book, which has been very good. 
And that one, um, I'm going to give you the name real quick. And the name of that one is the One Year Uncommon Life uh, Daily Challenges. Mm. Um, That's one of my favorite NFL coaches. Well, believe it or not, I played against him in high school. Really? He's a year ahead of me. He was at Jackson Parkside, and I was at Ann Arbor Huron. And we played uh, basketball and football against each other. So I, I went to college in Tampa. Uh, about the time when he was coaching the Bucks. Yep. And, you know, just grew fond of him. You know, you know? how you can, in high school, it's, I'm not surprised he's done what he's done in his life. Because in high school, he was a man among boys. He was more mature than us. He was totally at a different level. So you meet those people that you know are going to do something. Wow. Absolutely. And I read a lot of, I read a lot of stories of people who have overcome challenges uh, whether in business or in life. So I love anything where a person overcame something because it motivates me because of what I've been through to keep trying and keep pushing. So those are the kind of books I really enjoy. You've shared something, you know, shared so much with us, but um, about business, I have a question for you about goals. Can a trailblazer have too many goals? I think you can if you're not. I think you can't have too many if they're after you complete one, mm. I think you have to be careful of having five goals at the same time. Right. Because my goals have changed as I aged or as I complete other goals. I think we should have multiple goals. I mean, I, I've really gotten into photography and nature and hiking, and I wrote my first poem on hope. I've written my first book. So I think we should have different goals, but they probably shouldn't all be in business. But I think there should be different goals for different parts of our life. Right. Why is it important? Now, you've you've shared how much you volunteer. Why is it important that others maybe volunteer and give back of their their time, talents and treasures? Well, you know, what's funny. It's the difference. First of all, people watch you more than you realize. Absolutely. Whether you're a big business person or not, whatever your walk of life is, there is somebody paying attention to you. And I think we have a responsibility as just people to do something to help others. And it doesn't have to be some big ingo. It could be just reading at a school. It could be just being nice to your neighbor, helping them take their garbage up. I mean, just little things like that make a difference. And I learned early, if you get in the habit of that, you just do it naturally. Mm -hmm. It was interesting. I was on a cruise last year and this older gentleman, I got, and I laugh because I'm about to turn 60, but I call somebody else older. But, he, you know, he was in his <laughs> looked like mid to late 70s and he and his wife were elderly and he was having trouble trying to tie his shoe when he was walking and because he, he couldn't bend over. Right. And I was walking with my wife. I said, sir, let me tie your shoe. And he was very uncomfortable at first. I said, sir, it's okay. You're struggling. And I tied his shoe. Now, wow. there are some people probably go, why would you tie his shoe? Well, he was struggling. Right. He might be that old guy one day that needs somebody to tie my shoe. Right. And I tied his shoe and just kept going. Mm. So those are the kind of things I'm talking about where it becomes a habit. You do those little things that you might not think is big, but it could really make that one yeah. person feel like, man, life's worth living. Means the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mr. Moody, if, if our community wants to keep in contact and um, get more information, you shared Moody Speaks. Is that the best platform for them to yeah, connect with you? Yeah. Are there other social channels you're active on? Okay, yeah, I'm on Twitter at, um, at C, as in Charles, C Moody 1003. 
And that's the same handle on Instagram at, okay. at cmoody1003. Awesome. I will, for everyone listening, um, I'll put that up on our show notes page at tvpod.com. So we'll have all the links for Moody Speaks and for your social channels there. Mr. Moody, we're at the end of, of our session today, but I could not end today um, without taking this opportunity to acknowledge you. One, for redefining what it is to be a trailblazer. You know, your your successes in business are truly amazing by themselves, but you are so transparent about your life in this interview. And, you know, the more I learn about your, your fears and, and uh, the, the mental hurdles that you overcame, you know, in, in business and your personal life, it's the more that I see how much bigger of a success you truly are. And I, and I really have to say I have a genuine respect and a, and a love for the person that, that you, you have um, shared with us on this call. And I love the platform that you, you know, you've, you've begun with Moody Speaks and just, you know, listening to, to, to you know, where God is directing you. And um, your journey hasn't been an easy one, right? right. And you, you've, you've been able to overcome these obstacles to a true, uh, you know, to, to to really achieve true greatness, you know, and I just want to say thank you for coming on the podcast and, you know, I appreciate you taking the time to share your story with us and, and being so open about everything today. And, you know, I only hope and pray that, you know, we're going to be blessed to be able to have you back on sure. at a future point to continue to share some, some of this amazing wisdom with us. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Well, thank you so much for uh, having uh, me on and, one of the things I wrote about on Moody Speaks was I decided to make my life basically like a living laboratory or science experiment where I would be completely transparent on this journey of healing because I really want people to understand the healing process from a trauma as a child, the journey, the different struggles, but most importantly, give hope and know that we can overcome anything in life. That's that's really important. I, I think that's just you know remarkable. I, I thank you for the courage to, to speak up and, and to speak for those who, who are unable to, you know, that's, that's, that's amazing to me. Thank you so much. I've, I've, I've enjoyed, because uh, I've also watched a great deal of these videos that you're putting out on YouTube and, and some of these other media outlets that you've been speaking on. It's helped me to, to open my eyes, you know, and I even found myself last night having the conversation with my five-year-old daughter, because one of the things you shared in another episode or another interview that you did was, I guess, not, not being conscious of it, but your mom said something to you. Um, to the effect of, um, you know, don't let anyone, um, you know, do do X, Y, Z to you. Right. When it, or, you know, and um, and it, it I, I have to tell you, it spoke to me because I was worried I might have said that to my daughter by this point, you know, and and I actually had that conversation with her yesterday and, you know, said, look, you know, it would never be your fault if if anything ever happened, you know, you, you can be open to 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 come and, and, and speak with, you know, myself or her mom. I don't know if you want to share. Sure, sure. Share, yeah, share yeah, real quick. I mean, what my wife, my mother had got the inkling that's that something he was trying to do something. And then she called me into the bedroom and she went, you know, don't let anybody touch you. Now, she was saying it in a loving way to protect mm-hmm. me, but he had already touched me. He had already done what he had done to me. So once she said, don't let anyone touch me, I thought like, oh, my God, I've, you know, I've messed up, you know, because you're a kid. So 
What I learned from that as a parent and I share with other parents, we have to be so cautious how we say things to our children mm-hmm. because if something has happened already, they could feel like it's their fault. So we have to really make sure we always allow our children the comfort to tell us anything because it ha- unfortunately, 80 percent of predators is someone the family knows or close to the family. It's not that mm-hmm. person in a trench coat. Yeah. I tell you, as a parent of two two young children, my heart is moved by by all of this, and and so you know more than the business piece, you know I I thank you for for what you're doing and and speaking out really means a lot, yeah. really means a lot. Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate meeting you, having the opportunity to connect with you, and I hope this is just the beginning of a of a long long relationship. Oh, um, most definitely it will be. And to your listeners out there, dream big and go for your dreams and. Never give up. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I hope after listening to this interview that you move to take action, to start or grow a business, to volunteer and give back in some way, or really to address and fight through a, a fear in your life. I'll be sure to post links to Mr. Moody's recommended book, his website, and social media handles on our show notes page at tbpod.com episode 11. If you enjoyed this episode, I really need your help. Open an email or social media post right now and please share this episode with a family member or friend. Invite them to listen to this episode or any other episode you think might impact them most. You have the power to help us get the word out and put these very powerful messages in front of those who it might have the greatest impact with. Someone listening to this episode can and will be changed by Mr. Moody's message and go on to change the world for many others in the process. So once again, thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day.